What's up guys, Pastor John here. We pray that this message encourages you in your faith journey and we believe that God has an incredible plan for your life and our hope is that tools like this sermon will help you become who he has created you to be. Now listen, in order to truly flourish and thrive like God intends for your life, it takes community. What I mean by that is we don't believe that simply by attending church online alone that you're going to be able to become every bit of who God has created you to be and who you want to be to grow spiritually, you need other people. And we would love to help you connect with other people right here at Greenhouse. True growth happens when we're rooted in a community that supports, uplifts, and walks alongside us. And so with that in mind, we would love for you to join us in person on Sundays right here at Western High School or in micro churches throughout the week. Um, listen, if you don't live near our church here in South Florida, please reach out to us. We would love to help you find and thrive in a local faith community near you. We're excited to partner with you as we all become passionate followers of Jesus. God bless you. Uh, we're in the midst of a series called Open Heaven. Everybody say, Open Heaven. Open Heaven. We're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. Last week, we talked about the problem of powerless Christianity. Paul says, I only preach Jesus and him crucified. It's the power of his spirit. If you have oft found yourself struggling to do the things you long to do, to be the person you long to be, and you missed last week, check it out. Podcast, YouTube, search Greenhouse South Florida. You can find it there. This week, there is a significant shift in the epistle with a big lesson for the audience then and the audience now. So if you wanna turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter two, how you feeling church? You feel good? You look good, except for Danny who's got a Jets jersey on, but I'll forgive him, but the rest of y'all, you look good. Tanner, I'll let that one slide because I don't think they're a threat to anybody right now. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter two, I'll just play it, I'll just play it. I don't wanna talk about the dolphins behind, like we are people of faith, so we're gonna look in the windshield, not the rear view mirror. We're not looking behind. We're looking ahead towards the lowly giants who are defeatable. Sorry, Michael Perugini, but let's get back on track. Amen and amen. Somebody like, why do you talk about football so much? Every good and perfect gift comes from God. You know, so I'm just thanking. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of football. All right, I'm done with it. Second Corinthians chapter two, if you're ready, say, let's do this. All right. Paul begins, remember he's writing this letter to this church at Corinth, these followers of Jesus, and he says, the natural person, everybody say natural. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly or foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now the spiritual person, everybody say spiritual. The spiritual person, spiritual, judges all things, but he or she himself is not to be judged by anyone for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Chapter three, but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the, everybody say flesh. Three types of people, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready for it. For you are still of, there it is again, the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being, check this, merely human? You're like, but I am human. Well, apparently if you follow Jesus, you might be human, but you're not supposed to be merely human. What in the world does that mean? You'll find out. Let's pray. Jesus Help us out, speak to our hearts, remind us who we are and call us deeper. Amen? Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five. You can find your seat. We're gonna dive into the word. 
You ever thought you were in one place, but you were actually in another? In regard to proximity, maybe in regard to your status. Uh, I remember in college, I was at the University of Florida. I was wrapping up my year of graduate school and I met this amazing, beautiful, godly, disciple-making Puerto Rican princess then named Nancy Melendez. And I was like, my God, what do I have to do to get her attention? And she was, she was a youth leader. I was a youth leader. We were serving in the youth group, working with students. And, and I was just like, man, this girl is the total package. She's intelligent and she's beautiful and she loves Jesus and she's making disciples. And I just remember, I, what I got to figure out what to do to make her mine. And the devil, you know, the devil just works. He just blinded her eyes to the fact that God's will was standing before her. It was just demonic, that's all it was. And so I was working overtime. Um, now, some of you might know that I like sports. You're like, go figure, yeah. Um, I like watching sports, I like playing sports. What you might not know about me, about your pastor, is that I do not like and do not, quite frankly, understand running. I'll tell you how I was raised. Are you being chased by something? Are you chasing something? Then you run. Otherwise, why are we running? I'm perfectly fine walking. I just don't, and, and some of you, I know I lost you because you're runners, you're like, oh my God, but the endorphins you get. Yeah, after you torture yourself for like 20 something miles, like, yeah, I just don't get it, right? But Nancy, I found through the grapevine was a runner. So guess what I invited her to do? Oh yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I, I, I wasn't a runner, uh, but I played sports. You know, I, I was in, a, I was on, you know, intramurals on a flag football team at the time. Like I played sports my whole life. I'm like, how hard can it be? Famous last words, right? <laughs> Apparently there's different training for like interval training when you go short sprints, which is what I was ready for. And like, we're going to run a couple miles. And, uh, and so I got to Nancy's house and uh, she had like a whole running attire. There's like an adornment that you put on to run and these running clothes and running shoes. And I had my beat up Nikes and I'm like, and she probably knew at that point, this guy has no clue what he's doing. But I was all confident. I'm like, all right, let's go. I'm ready, you know. And so I was like, hey, what are you thinking? What, what do you want to do? And she's like, oh, I figured we'd go for a couple miles. And that's when I knew. I'm in trouble. The last time I did a couple miles, it was because I had to pass high school gym class. And I was like, okay, cool, yeah, that sounds great. No, yeah, whatever you wanna do, you know, that sounds great. And so we start running, and I'm doing my best to play it cool. Like, you know, you're, you're really like, <laughs> but I'm trying to be like, and trying to breathe quietly while I die silently on the inside. And so we're going and we're and I'm trying to like keep up a conversation, but at some point the conversation just lulls because I'm trying to survive and, and we're going and we get towards the end. And at this point, I'm like, I'm about to pass out or let all of my insides out. Like those are the two options right now. And, uh, and we're going and we're running, but we get towards the end and I'm like, I gotta make an impression. And so I'm like, hey, if, if you're okay, I'm gonna go ahead and sprint ahead. And she's like, yeah, no problem. I kid you not. So I sprint ahead, get behind a bush, puke, <laughs> come back around, and I'm like, hey, oh man, that was so great, Nancy. And mind you, I'm like about to lose it again. I'm like, that was so great. Hey, I gotta go, I got, you know, ministry, God is calling me, I gotta go. And I get in the car, put on the AC on full blast, and just sit there like, take me now, Jesus. overestimating your own abilities. Ever, anybody ever been there before? Like we, we do this, right? Maybe, maybe not that exact sort of scenario, uh, but love makes us do crazy things, okay? 
And in the end of the day, by the way, God did open her eyes. The devil was defeated and we have now been married going on 12 years with two beautiful Jurekin babies. And there's the end of that story. But we do this, right? Like we, we tend as human beings, like one of the things that plague the human species is we tend to have a wildly difficult time assessing and understanding ourselves, our abilities, our capabilities, our current state. We struggle physically, physiologically. We struggle to understand our capabilities and current state emotionally, and we struggle spiritually as well. John, why do you tell this story? Because it's humorous, but also, because this is where we find these Corinthian followers of Jesus. And I would argue this is where we often find humans in general. The Corinthians thought themselves mature. The Corinthians were confident that they were spiritually, emotionally mature. They had it going on. And in some ways they did. The Corinthians were convinced that because they had the right ideas, because they had the right thoughts, because they had some of the right externals going on. Corinthians, they, they were spiritual in their own minds. They were speaking in more tongues in the United Nations and they were shondoing it and they were levitating and they had gifts. They had all this stuff going on and they assumed that they were spiritual and spiritually mature. But Paul says, listen, you're not. Because the intellect and the abilities are only part of the equation. There's something deeper. There's this interesting, poignant shift in this epistle, in this letter that Paul is writing to these followers of Jesus in Corinth and to the corresponding message to us as modern-day followers of Jesus. Up to this point, the theological term would be Christology. Up to this point, the large content of this letter has been about Jesus and the spirit and theology and who he is. And the letter at this point, right here, at the end of two, really in chapter three, at the very beginning, it shifts to what theologically is called ecclesiology, meaning about the church, about the called out ones, the people of God, followers of Jesus. Now he's writing about us. And his very first lesson about us is a big one, not just for them then, but for us now. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to jot this down and we'll unpack this together. Here's my premise. Maturity is not simply knowing the right information. It's living and walking in step with the Spirit. It's so tempting in our intellectual framework, which by the way is the same framework they would have had in Corinth. It's so tempting to think that spiritual maturity is like getting a good grade on a spiritual scantron. If you can get the right answers on the spiritual SAT, you are doing great. But the reality is that maturity is not simply knowing the right information. It's living and walking in step with the spirit. Or to say it another way, it's a changed worldview and a changed lifestyle. It's a changed worldview and a changed lifestyle. Three types of people we are introduced to by Paul here that he is addressing and unpacking for us. And I am praying that by his spirit, God would show us where we are and the direction we're headed in. The first one is this. Everybody say natural. Natural. The first one is the natural person. Jump back into the text with me and let's take a look. Paul writes, he says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. For they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural person is the starting point for really any person. 
All of us have sinned, fallen short of God's glory. All of us begin our journey spiritually in this category of the natural person. And Paul says, here's how you can define, sort of ascertain, identify the natural person. They do not accept or understand the things of the spirit. All he's got or all she's got is what this Greek term is, suhikas. Everybody say suhikas. You gotta spit a little bit. If your neighbor didn't go like this, you're doing it wrong, okay? Suhikas, it's, it's this Greek term, the natural person. If you see it up on the screen, anyone have a guess what words came from this Greek term? Psyche and psychology, exactly. It's pointing to the natural mind. The natural person only has access to the natural mind. If we hark back to last week, it means they, they only have human wisdom. They only have uh, uh, human wisdom and no demonstration of the spirit, no power. The natural person, to say it quite simply, thinks and lives naturally. Now, what this means is that Paul says spiritual things, they're, they're folly or they're foolishness to the natural person. I don't know if you've ever, uh, if you're a sports fan and you've ever found yourself watching TV during the sports drought that plagues us every summer. But I remember one time flipping on ESPN. I'm like, man, there's got to be something on. And it was, I kid you not, a hot dog eating contest. Anybody ever seen this before? I'm like... Listen, now, now I gotta be honest, I, I am not a hot dog eating competitive athlete, so maybe you can school me on this, but I'm like, that is a lot of things, that is not a sport. That is like, it, this is the sports network. Like, that is like, I don't know, gluttony. I don't know what that is, but it's not a sport. Like, and I'm watching this, I'm like, this is crazy. And again, maybe you're a competitive hot dog eater and you can come teach me about all the nuances of this. But I, I think about like uh, speed walking, like that's called transportation. Like, it's not a, it's not a sport, like it's, like we could slide across. We, I, and again, maybe no shade to the speed walkers, a little bit of shade, but like I'll speed walk you in competition. We can see, I don't train for it, but like I just don't. And maybe you're in either one of those camps. You're like, John, you just don't get it. Exactly, because here's the thing. It might make a lot of sense to somebody else, but folly is largely in the eye of the beholder and in the heart of the beholder. Something might be, apt, there might be all of these specific nuances of speed walking that someone could school me on. Do you know that physiologically you have to, okay, it might be. I just don't get it. Why? Because I'm not a speed walker. The natural person is not a bad person per se, but they have no schema for understanding the things of God because God's spirit is not on the inside. Now, this is important. We, we toss out I don't think in a, in a malicious way, but in a very sort of cavalier way, we toss out terms in our culture that actually need to be more aptly defined because they really matter. The, the, the natural man has no schema for the things of God. The natural man, it, it, it's folly, it's foolishness. If you've ever been in a conversation with someone, we got missionary Sam coming, and you're like, man, I, I'm gonna be, you know, I'm, I'm saying no to Starbucks this month so I can give to missionary Sam and see kids rescued from trafficking. You're at the barber, you're at your esthetician. You're like, I'm gonna skip out on that service for this week. Why? Because I'm wanting to give that money away. They might be like, that is foolishness. Why would you give money away? Why would you tithe? Why would you be generous? Well, it's doesn't make sense to the natural man because it's spiritual. You're thinking, you're like, man, Jesus said you don't sleep with anybody you're not married to. You're like, did he really say that? He did. You're like, who? And you're talking to a girlfriend. You're like, man, I'm th this guy maybe, but either way, I'm not, we're not gonna be having sex until we get married. Are you crazy? No, I, I'm a disciple. And that's what Jesus said. But it's foolishness to the world around. You can't expect spiritual things to make sense to natural people. It's, it's a different schema. Now, the Bible teaches that every single human being is made in God's image. 
This is important. That means that every single person on the planet has inherent dignity, value, and worth. Every single human being is made in the image of God. This is why justice is so near and dear to the heart of God and the heart of God's people, us in the room, amen? This is important. However, not everyone, and we toss out this term often, man, all of God's children matter to him. That is true, but let's nuance that. Everyone that's been created matters to him. Not everyone who's been created is a child of God yet because God's spirit is not dwelling in them. Everyone has been brought to life by the breath of God. In him, we live and move and have our being, but not everyone has been filled, indwelled, and empowered by the spirit of God. Hence why there is a whole category of humans called the natural person. Are you tracking with me here? The natural person is not a bad person. they're, They're just like us. You remember when the things of Jesus sounded bizarre to you? You're like, they still do sometimes now. I know, that's called sanctification. But remember when it all sounded like crazy talk and then you met him and then he changed your heart and he changed your life? The starting point for humans is the natural person. This is what they do. They do what everyone else does. They think like everyone else does. The natural person is largely led, dictated, and structured by the culture around them rather than heaven above them. That is the natural person. Tracking? That's the first person we're introduced to. Number two is the spiritual person. Turn to your neighbor and say, get spiritual. Get spiritual. The spiritual person. Look at verse 15. Paul says a spiritual person judges all things, but he is himself or she is herself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of Christ, but we, uh, the mind of the Lord, but we have the mind of Christ. The spiritual person judges, discerns, understands all things because they're so amazing and enlightened. No, they do it by his what? By his spirit. The spiritual person, this is the Greek term pneumatikos. Everybody wanna try to say that? Pneumatikos. This means the, the spirit, it's, it's it, pneuma, it's spirit. This is where the spiritual person, the defining factor of a natural person is their strength, their ability, their intellect. The defining component of a spiritual person is what? The spirit, the spirit. The spiritual person judges, understands, discerns all things. They have the spirit. They have, he says here, the mind of Christ. If the natural person thinks and lives naturally, the spiritual person thinks and lives how? All three of y'all, this is perfect. I'm feeling very encouraged right now. Spiritually, they think and live spiritually. This means that if the natural person simply reflects the culture around them, the spiritual person impacts and changes the culture around them by reflecting heaven. Do you see the difference here? The natural person, they're just, they're just in it. They're, they're in the fish tank. They reflect the culture around them. The spiritual person has God's spirit on the inside, and so as a result, they can impact, shift, and change the culture around them. How? By God's spirit, by reflecting heaven. The spiritual person serves as sort of the embodiment of the open heaven. We're talking about this idea of open heaven, God's kingdom breaking out, like Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. The spiritual person is praying, is living, is working towards the vision of on earth as it is in heaven. They are like walking portals for heaven to break out, like walking portals for heaven on earth. By the way, here at Greenhouse, this is who we long to be, amen? Ordinary people, Natural people at one point who are now becoming, by God's grace and by his spirit, passionate followers of Jesus. We are ordinary people becoming spiritual, passionate followers of Jesus. But there's one more type of person Paul introduces us to. And this is where I camp out because 
this is where I feel like we often drift without realizing it to our detriment. We've got the natural person, number one. We've got the spiritual person, number two. And then lastly, we have the fleshly person. Everybody say the flesh. The fleshly person. I don't know if you've ever been in a vehicle um, that prompted you to prayer and intercession. Maybe you have a friend like that. Maybe you are the friend like that. I remember not long ago, I was getting picked up from the airport and I got in the car and the gentleman was nice and I'm an extrovert, I love meeting new people. And so we're chatting it up. And within the first few minutes, I was like, oh man, I, I love Jesus. And I'm like, man, Lord, I can't wait to meet you face to face, but I'm not trying to do it on this car trip. And this is a very real possibility. We're driving and I realized very quickly, this sweet, sweet older man um, had no idea how to use his GPS. And I realized that because the first three turns, we were headed east towards Hollywood rather than west towards my home. And I was like, oh, praise the Lord, okay. But it was compounded by the fact that I'm also fairly confident he had no idea how to drive. Like we almost got in legitimate two accidents in the first five minutes. And so while chatting up this very sweet man who I did not want to anger because the only thing worse that could make this worse was now an angry, bad, don't know how to follow directions driver, I shifted in my mind and I'm like, I will now provide the GPS. <laughs> I kid you not, I buckled my seatbelt as tight as I possibly could and sat there and I moved to the center seat and sat there watching his GPS and gave John Lash turn-by-turn -turn navigations like Siri, eat your heart out. Hey, up here, you're gonna wanna make a left in 2.4 miles. And he's like, oh, thanks, how do you know? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's crazy. But he was so nice, like I couldn't, like we got to the end of the trip and I was like, thank you so much. I grabbed my bag and he, he drove away and I kissed the ground and I'm like, thank God my children will not be orphans. Like it was that kind of scene. And I remember thinking to myself, what a tragedy. This guy had an app to do all the work for him, but he just wasn't using it. That's a fleshly person. The fleshly person Another version that says the carnal person, that's like the old school spiritual term for it. The carnal person, the fleshly person, they, they really are a follower of Jesus. They actually have access to the wisdom of heaven and the mind of Christ. They just don't open the app. And as a result, they settle for life terrifying natural when they were intended to bring life giving supernatural on earth as it is in heaven. The fleshly person, they've, they've got the spirit. He's in them, he's with them, but they're just not using it. Look at verse one. But our brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. The fleshly person is defined by this Greek term, sarkinas. Sarkinas, it means people of the flesh. It's, it's little, man, you're just, you're just defined by your earth suit. Now, I know this term probably needs some explaining. You'll see it throughout the Bible if you're a follower of Jesus or you're starting to read the Bible to investigate God, faith, and spirituality, which, by the way, thrilled that you're here with us. Pray that this is an enriching, hope-stirring, helpful experience for you. In the Bible, this term, the flesh, it represents the sinful human nature that we're all born with. It represents the fallenness that every single person, uh, the scripture says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Most of us would say, whether we're religious or not, spiritual or not, like, yeah, that makes sense. I definitely have blown it my fair shots. Okay, exactly. This is the flesh. 
Now, it's interesting because Paul calls them brothers, brothers and sisters, family is basically this term. Paul calls them brothers and sisters as sort of an endearing way to soften the blow, but the indictment is clear. While they have access to the spirit, they are still living in the flesh. It's like a guy still stopping at a gas station to get directions on a date. It's like, bro, there's an app for that. Like the Uber driver who doesn't know where he's going is like, bro, there's an app for that. This is a avoidable tragedy that you have placed yourself in of your own free will and volition. The fleshly person has the app. They're just not using it. The spiritual person lives regularly opening the app, the mind of Christ, the direction of the spirit, the leadership of the spirit. They know where their help comes from. Their help comes from the Lord. The natural person, they don't even have the app. They they don't know where to go. Some of you remember, you're like, man, I really was trying my best. I just like was running my life in every parked car around me. Like I wasn't a bad person. I was just lost. Exactly. The natural person, they don't have the directional app. They're lost. They don't even have it in them. But the tragedy of the fleshly person is they actually have the app. They are just living with it functionally closed. Any of you have an app on your phone where the only way it works is if it stays open in the background? I hate apps like that. Look, I'm trying to save my battery. I'm the app closer, like perennially closing the apps. And then I I like get get to something that needs it. Like if your car unlocks with an app, like you get to the door and you're like, why isn't this thing working? And you're like, oh, user error. It's me. The app is not broken and the direction is not failing. I'm just not accessing it. Like I could be, like I should be. This is what Paul says here. Look in verse four. He says, for when one person says, I follow Paul. Remember this, he's bringing this back up again, this idea. When one person says, I follow Paul and the other one says, I follow Apollos. Are you not being, what does it say? Merely human. What in the world? Here's the thing. If or when you become a follower of Jesus, all the old things pass away, all things become new. You are still human, but you are no longer merely human. Why? Because you have God's spirit living on the inside of you. You have become a new creation. There is a new capability for any of us that long to be superheroes when we were kids. You're like, I close your eyes, you're like, I'm invisible now. Put on a little cape, you're like, I can fly. Like this longing to be more than we simply are earthbound It's a reality, maybe not flying, but you know, other stuff. Why? Because we have access to the divine nature. Like the same power, scripture says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in our mortal bodies, strengthening our mortal bodies. We have access to so much more than we did as the natural person when we have God's spirit on the inside. And yet the Corinthians, while they have the spirit, there are a manifestation of gifts of the spirit. There are some things happening on the outside while they have the spirit. Clearly Paul says, brothers and sisters, while they have the spirit, they are still living according to the flesh. They're still living like a natural person. He said, guys, you're a spiritual person, but you're still living like a natural person. And this is the warning that has consumed my heart all week long. It is possible to be a real Christian and just really immature. And we've all been there, right? Like, amen, can we all just say like, yes, John. It is possible to be a real Christian and just really immature and fleshly. And if or when you find yourself in that boat, you are missing out on the amazing things God has for your life. 
because you're living with the app closed. Paul's doing something here in the original language and I don't speak Greek, so it was helpful for me to study it. Maybe it will be for you as well. He's making this emphatic point in the original language. He actually changes the word for flesh in verse one to verse three. In verse one, he, he, he's using this word sarkinas. It's, you know, you're, you're made of flesh. Like you're, you're, you're a person, you're earthbound. But he actually shifts in verse three and he uses this word sarkikas. He goes from saying, man, you're just of flesh. Like you're, you're made of flesh to verse three. He says, you are now characterized by flesh. The difference is huge. You can have, you can go and work out and you can do a big workout and you're like, man, I'm just sweaty and I stink. That is a current situation. It's another thing to be the sweaty, stinky person in the office. Y'all track it with me? Like, no, nobody, nobody sweats when they work out. All right, cool. No, it's fine. It's no, no problem. It's one thing to find, find yourself in a moment it's another thing to be characterized, that your life would be characterized by this. This is not saying, Paul is not saying, hey, listen, man, you made a mistake 17 months ago. How dare you? Sinners. Paul's saying, hey, you're, you're not characterized by God's spirit with aberrations of repentance by the grace of God because that's what we all are. We're all just flesh. You're actually much more known by flesh than you are by spirit. And this should not be. It's one thing for it to be your makeup. It's another thing to be characterized by it. He said, John, so how can you tell? He, he gives them a specific framework right here in the verse. He said, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready, for you are still of the, there's that word, sarkikas, flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? The marker that Paul gives for someone who could be a spiritual person living like a fleshly person is they are defined by jealousy, strife, factions, and division. Does that sound like a church in a culture you've ever evidenced? <laughs> Hashtag America in the election season. Here's one of the things that I love, love, love about our church. You guys mean it. I, I get to interact with a bunch of different pastors and... And there are churches where they're characterized by hard hearts. Like, man, I, I just got to preach it and preach it and preach it and preach it until people finally listen. I'm like, sucks for you. <laughs> That's never been Greenhouse. In fact, the trajectory of our church has been, I'll get up, we'll get up and mention once. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about a series once about generosity. Boom, we're generous. We'll talk about a series of serving. Boom, we're so, Like the track record of our church is not that our hearts are hard towards God and the things of God. And he's really got to wrestle us down for us to obey. But we're humans, which means we often just forget. We just forget. Verse three, Paul's making a point here. He's saying, listen, you're, you're, you're still of the flesh. If you had a marker or something to write down, you can go ahead and underline that word, circle it, bold it. In the Greek, in the original language, it's like this emphatic tense. He's like, man, you are still of the flesh. It's kind of like if your one-year-old has an accident, it's like, okay, they're, well, they're, you know, they're one. If they're two and three and they have an accident, you're like, okay, it, you know, it happens now and again. If they're, if they're 10 years old and they have an accident, you're like, okay, we might need to look into some things. Like, that's a little strange. And if they're 17 years old and you go to, to meet them for a date and they're like, sorry, I got to go back inside real quick. I, 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 my mom still has to change my diaper before I go and hang out. You're like.
like run the other direction. This is weird. Something is off here. Why? Because that's not a normal part of human development. Like, and they're like, well, no, no, there's nothing biologically wrong with me. It's just so inconvenient to have to go to the bathroom and do all that work. Like, I'd just rather my parents do it for me. That's just why I love Depends. You'd be like, it's so great to meet you. God bless you. Paul, this is what Paul is saying. And if you think I'm exaggerating, his analogy is, listen, y'all, you're a bunch of full-grown adults. He's talking to them. At this point, I should be giving you like solid food, but I got to give you milk. We read that and we're like, oh, okay. Like any, you know, vegetarians are like, I'm kind of offended right now. Meat is immature. You know, meat is for the immature or the mature people. Milk is for the immature people. Pescatarians, chill out. All right, if you're a plant-based diet, amen to that. Not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. In the ancient world, you know they didn't have baby formula, right? So how did they get milk to babies in the ancient world? We're all adults here. Breastfeeding. Paul is saying, listen, y'all are full-grown adults and I'm a full-grown male having to breastfeed y'all because you're not ready. It's gross. It's kind of like, oh my, why? Like awkward, Paul, what are you doing? He's like, exactly. You remember a couple weeks ago or this was maybe a couple months ago, we, we, talk, we had a similar conversation and I burned this image in your minds to forever terrify you at night and it was this one. <laughs> and I'm just gonna leave it up there so that it plagues your memories forever. This is wrong. This is my face on my son's baby body with my wife awkwardly hovering. Like, how creepy is that? This should not be. There should not be two-year-old baby with a 30-plus-year-old aging man's face. It's just inappropriate and strange. Exactly. I would venture to say and I'm, I'm sure it's no one here at Greenhouse, but for the rest of American Christians, the majority probably find themselves in this category. By the way, that is not a John statistic. When I get, we at Greenhouse love the family of God abroad. When I interact and have extended conversations with followers of Jesus in under other countries, this is their assessment of the American church. No, you guys, man, we love you guys. And man, we, man, I guess it's harder to be an American Christian because there's so much, well, so many things to get distracted about. In love, Paul is calling them out. Listen, I love you, brothers and sisters. He's not being a jerk. He is having a very honest and candid conversation though about a, a real problem stop. Brothers and sisters, he's calling them out in love. By the way, this is not just a Corinthian problem. This is a human problem. In the book of Hebrews, this same idea is brought back up. Listen to what it says in Hebrews. There's much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. So we're like, how do they meet my spouse? I don't know. You have been believers so long now, you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. He says, listen, at this point, you should be outward facing in your expression of spirituality, thinking about not just yourself, but other people, but all you are is still in survival mode, like an infant who's crying for their next bottle or their next feeding. You can't move beyond yourself. And that is heartbreakingly wrong and inappropriate to the developmental stage of a spiritual person. You're not where you're supposed to be. Oh, I feel horrible. Don't feel horrible, just repent. His call to this church is, listen, there's all sorts of amazing things God wants to do in your life and through your life, but you have settled in the position of what was supposed to be a developmental season and you've stuck there for your life and it is awkward, inappropriate, and 
wrong. There are natural people. There are spiritual people. And then there are spiritual people who are still living natural fleshly. And when that happens, it is a tragedy. But here's the great news. Wherever you're at, you don't have to stay there. Here's, here's the reason. What's the, why is Paul saying this? Because he just wants to be a jerk and put it in their face. No, he's saying this because he loves them. And you'll see that over and over throughout the letter. I want us to do this right now. We'll take a moment right now. I want us to do, God, by your spirit, lead us. Help us be honest with ourselves. Make things clear. I want us to do a divinely guided self-assessment. Natural people, spiritual people, fleshly people. I want you to genuinely ask the question, which one of these are you? Which one of these are you? I want you to ask the question, and it would be great here for self-reflection. It might be even better to pull someone aside who really knows you, who, who you know cares about you enough to tell you the hard things, not just the things that feel good. And ask this question, am I growing as a disciple of Jesus? Compared to a year ago, compared to five years ago, like, John, how would I even quantify that? Okay, here, here's three key areas that can serve as a, a rubric or a metric for it. The first one is reverses. How do I handle reverses? What I mean by that is when things don't go like you had planned or intended, how do you deal with it? When you receive criticism, when you receive critique, when you thought it was going that way and all of a sudden goes that way, when your kids were moving in this direction, how do you handle reverses? Do you handle them in a more mature way now than a year ago, five years ago, or less, less mature? The second one is resources, your time, your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your treasure. Are you more or less faithful than a year ago, five years ago? Are you more or less generous than a year ago, five years ago? Think about percentage, by the way, not just about amounts. The last R, because I like alliteration, is responsibilities. Responsibilities. Do you have greater responsibilities, not necessarily in breadth, but especially in weight and measure? Do you have greater responsibilities today than a year ago, five years ago, or less? That could let you know your faithfulness quotient. Are you more involved in the things of God personally now than a year ago, five years ago? Are you spending more time abiding with Jesus, growing in his word or less? Are you spending more time sitting at his feet in prayer or less? Are you more involved or less involved with the people of God, with church ministry? Do you remember? Man, I remember when I first met Jesus, I was involved. I was doing the, the serve team thing you're talking about. Like, man, I was on four of them. Like, I was all involved. And maybe that was overdoing it, but you're like, man, I, it's been, whew. If Jesus was defined as a servant who came to serve, not to be served, I don't know if that's how I would be defined. Is it more or less? More or less kingdom versus career. What's the ratio from a year ago, five years ago? You say, well, John, I don't work at a church, so that's not what I'm saying. You're, you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, our call is to follow Jesus. We've all known people that, that did not occupationally work in the church, and yet as their career grew, somehow their kingdom involvement grew as well. They, they ended up bringing Jesus stuff to work with them, and God was moving in their workplace. And Ask the Lord. Am I growing as a disciple of Jesus? There's a natural person, there's a spiritual person, there's a fleshly person. Which one of these are you? And then the follow-up, which I think is just as important. What direction are you heading in? 
Maybe online, maybe you're in Guyana and, and you're like, I'm, I'm still a spiritual person, but you're headed towards the flesh. Or maybe you're here and you're a natural person. You're watching online, you're like, man, John, the, the Jesus stuff, I absolutely, it seems really crazy to me more than half the time. But you're like, but I'm intrigued. Maybe you're a natural person, you're moving towards the spirit. Maybe you're a fleshly person, you're moving towards the spirit. Maybe you're a spiritual person and you're moving towards the flesh. Where are you at and what direction are you headed in? These are vital things to know. Now, again, wherever you're at, here's the great news. God is not plagued by a fixed mindset. The purpose of this conversation is not to be like, well, there you are, you stink. God bless you, have a great day. The purpose of this conversation is to not have an honest self-assessment, which we rarely get to do in our fast-paced world, spiritually, emotionally, and then God, who invented the whole growth mindset thing, because there's nothing impossible, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask, think, or even imagine. God, the ultimate growth mindset guy, is like, great, if you're in a bad spot, you can grow. And by the way, we want to help you grow. It's one of the things I love about Greenhouse. Like, guys, I know it. you want to grow. You're here on Sundays, you're watching online, you're in Guyana because you're like, I want to grow as a follower of Jesus. So do I, and we want to help you. How do you grow? How do you become mature? Hebrews says later in that same verse, it says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained, listen, listen to this, by constant what? Talking about practice. By constant, pra- yes, Allen Iverson, how do you grow and mature spiritually? Practice. That's how you do it. You're like, man, I'm not growing at all. Well, are you trying at all? Well, no, okay. So step in. Have their senses sharpened, their discernment sharpened by constant practice. By the way, this is one of the best things about microchurch. You're like, well, how would I ever practice my spiritual gifts? Or like, it's, I have social anxiety. There's a big room. There's a lot of people. Totally get that. Go into someone's living room. Now there's only like 10 people. And you know all of them. It's a space to practice, to practice. This is our heart. Like we are a place for ordinary, natural, broke as a joke, toe up from the flow of people. I don't know where that came from. To grow. Pastor Matt, who's who's one of my best friends and he's our microchurch pastor in Gainesville. He's kind of our systems guy. Uh, He did his PhD and did his entire PhD to come up with a tool to help people grow as followers of Jesus. There's a QR code right here. If you're like, man, I wanna grow. I know, John, there are areas in my life where I'm stuck, where I feel trapped, where I haven't grown. Awesome, scan the QR code right now. This is the Greenhouse Discipleship Assessment. It's a whole robust diagnostic tool for helping you get a sense of where am I growing spiritually? I love all the phones out, this is amazing. Just save the tab on your phone. Where am I growing spiritually? Where can I continue to grow spiritually? How can I put energies in? It's like $5 maybe now, we're trying to cover all of our costs. If that's prohibitive, let me know and we will give you a coupon code for it, all right? Don't let that be a stopping point. But the purpose behind this is we want to help ordinary people People grow as disciples. Maybe it's time for you to pull your microchurch leader aside, take this assessment and say, hey, I've got a few areas that I know are weak spots, but I wanna lean in and grow. I bet your microchurch leader would love to sit down, formulate a plan and help you with that. Maybe it's time to grab a core group of, of other disciples in your microchurch, in your campus ministry together and say, hey, let's do this thing together. Let's each pick a few areas and let's go after it and let's grow. Maybe it's time for you to say, you know what? I've heard this whole thing about abiding and spending time daily with God in the 15 and 15. I get it, I get it. Okay, I actually wanna do it. 
Maybe you're here and you've been coming for a few weeks, a few months, and you're like, John, I'm in on Jesus. Like, I believe he's the Lord. He has done something in my heart. His spirit's on the inside. I am a spiritual person, and you haven't yet gotten baptized. That is your next step. The book of Acts model, the, the, the trajectory of scriptures, repent, change, turn to Jesus by his grace and be baptized. We will baptize you today. We'll get the tank out. We'll, you're, you can do it in your microchurch. We will figure out a way. We got a large body of water. It's called the ocean. We could go out there like lots of water to figure this thing out. We'll baptize you in a fountain. <laughs> just, just follow him. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow? So do we. Let's do it together. I am a work in progress, God knows, and my wife can amen. I want to grow. We want to grow. Because at the end of the day, if we want it, if we mean this, if we want open heaven, God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, it's going to take spiritual people who are ordinary, natural, but they've been empowered and instilled and endued by God's spirit, who all of a sudden become walking portals for heaven to break out on earth. It's ordinary people becoming disciples, but in order to do this, we need help. We need people. We need God. We need God's people. We need community. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we need God's spirit. And this is where this passage sort of challenges our modern sensibilities. At the end of the day, we like the thought that we can figure it out with our own insight, with our own wisdom, with our human understanding. We like the thought of saying, man, yeah, there's all these mysteries, or man, there's stuff going on, or man, there's, there's these cycles of, of brokenness, there's these cycles of addiction, man, man, just grit your teeth and bear it. We like the thought of being able to solve it with human wisdom, like put the AI bots on it, and by the end of the day, we're gonna figure out a solution, but it does not work that way in the depths of our soul. Because some of these mysteries are only unlocked with the mind of Christ. It takes him. It's his grace. It's his power. October 22nd, we're going to have Missionary Sam with us. How many of you have heard Missionary Sam before? Missionary Sam is one of, our, one of my personal faith heroes and one of our church faith heroes. Him and his team with Life for the Innocent go in and rescue kids out of human trafficking. They get them rehabilitated uh, with medical care, with counseling. They have thoroughly vetted families, many of whom have not been able to have their own biological children who are waiting in line to adopt these kids, put them in forever families. It's this whole amazing redemption story. He's gonna be coming at the end of the month. Like that is the perfect weekend. If you've got a friend who are like, oh my gosh, churches, all they do is talk, bring them on October 22nd. Absolutely. And you might hear some of this, but I remember missionary Sam and his story. He's like, John, all all of this, all these realities of bonded labor and human trafficking, all of this stuff was around me my entire life and it was just normal. It just felt natural. It's what life was. He said, and then I met Jesus and God's spirit came on the inside and all of a sudden things that just seemed, oh, it's just, it's what it is. It's just, it's what it's always been. It's how it's happened for thousands of years. All of these things that seem so natural, all of a sudden felt wrong, absolutely wrong. Why? Not because he suddenly and mysteriously became a better person, but because he became a transformed person by the power of God and the power of his spirit. And what's been on my heart in a, in a very significant way all week long is maybe you've been 
Maybe you've been stuck. Maybe you've been struggling to, to see it clearly. Maybe you've been trying with all your strength, with all your might, and you, you're still coming up short. Maybe you've been stuck in cycles, in patterns. Maybe you realize, man, this isn't just me. This goes back in my family tree. This is, and you've been doing everything you can, and you're at a point where you're like, maybe I'll just give God a shot because I'm at the end of my rope. Friend, you need him, and he loves you. Maybe you have his spirit, but you know in small areas, big areas, significant areas, you are living in characterized by the flesh, carnal. Here's a great news for you. You can repent. You can open the app. You can say, God, thank you for putting your spirit on the inside of me. You've made me new. Now, God, I want to be empowered and led by your spirit, and I want to follow your lead. You need him. He has so, so, so much better for your life than anything you could concoct on your own. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm asking that right now by your spirit, you would bring conviction. Lord, we pray against condemnation, shame, worldly sorrow, which would just point the finger and make it all about us and leave us feeling horrible. But Lord, I'm asking that by your spirit, you would call us exactly like we sang today, deeper. You would call us deeper into the, the purpose, the destiny that you have for each one of us, into the people that you have created us to be. Lord, every single person in this church family, in the room, online, in Guyana, Lord, there are good works that you've prepared in advance for us to walk in. There are amazing things that you have designed for us that go so much better than any any work of the flesh, anything we can do in the natural, any natural pleasures, God, you have so much better for our lives. Lord, call us deeper. I'm asking that even now by your spirit, you would bring conviction. Lord, convict me, call me deeper. I wanna grow. Convict us, call us deeper. We wanna grow. Specific habits, specific traits. Lord, we don't want to be characterized by the flesh. We're going to blow it. We're going to mess up. It's why we need your grace. And we're so thankful for it. But Lord, we want to increasingly walk in the spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. We want to, we want to know you, follow you. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you're here this morning and, and you realize that you are a natural person, you're in that starting point that we all start at and you want to become a spiritual person, only Jesus can do it. Only Jesus can make you new. Only Jesus can make you spiritually alive. Say yes to him this morning. If you're in that boat, if you're online, if you're in the room, if you're in Guyana, it could be as simple as just saying in your heart or just looking up to heaven and saying, Jesus, I say yes. I say yes, I, I need you. I'm, I'm done trying to do this on my own. It's not working. I'm sick and tired of my own effort, my own ability, human wisdom. Like I need a change. If you realize that you've been in that category, that third category of the fleshly person. John, I, I have met Jesus. He has done works in my life. I have been made new and I just kind of did a 180 and I'm living just like I used to or in ways like I used to. My encouragement is to turn back to who you are. Repent, change your mind. It precipitates a changed heart, a changed life. Turn and say, God, no longer about human wisdom and the flesh. I need your spirit to empower and to lead me. 
Tell them right now, Jesus, I'm sorry, I repent. Help me, change me. If you're not sure what to do, set up some meetings this week. Set up a meeting with a microchurch leader, with a trusted mentor, with a pastor, with, with someone in your life that loves you and help walk you through those next steps. Lord, it's our prayer and we mean it. Lord, we want to grow. For those of us that know you, that you've rescued us, that you've redeemed us, Lord, career matters and family obviously matters and there's hobbies and extracurriculars and they matter and we're praying you have mercy on the dolphins and they win and I think that matters. There's all sorts of stuff. But Lord, you deserve everything. You deserve our best. Lord, help us to follow you. Take us deeper. Lord, would you do what I could never do, what we could never do in the natural and show each individual person their next step to grow as a disciple of Jesus.